Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. You know, what's funny is that um, I was on the We Do Hard Things podcast, which is an awesome podcast. If you guys don't know it, Mark Traeger, he's amazing. And he created this bio for me, and when he was just posting it, and he dubbed me the love aficionado and i was like i'm here for it guys my name is alexander gonzalez good morning i'm so happy to see you all here i am not the fat dad on instagram so make sure that if you aren't following me over there that you find me so you can talk all things inspiring and also guys i want to let you guys know that if you are looking for a better you in 22 because i'm telling you everything that we do here our goal is to our better to better ourselves every single day. And I know that that's what I have been doing since I joined Breakfast of Champions. And I'm actually going to be hosting part of a whole huge national challenge for a better you in 22. So if that's something that interests you, we're going to have thousands of dollars in prizes. Everyone will get some sort of prize. DM me the word better so 
I can get you all the details for that, guys. And I'm excited because I'm going to be actively participating in that. But what really gets me excited is that for the next hour, the next 58 minutes, we're going to be learning more and more about Stephen Kuhn, someone that I have been admiring from afar, from up close, because I've had the privilege of getting him, getting to know him. And so, Stephen, are you here with me, brother? Flash your mic. Indeed. Cool. And guys, we're going to do this like very, if you guys know the wisdom app, we're going to do this very wisdom app style. So I want to keep the mics open. I want us to just kind of chit chat back and forth, but to give a quick bio, Stephen Kuhn is the self dubbed master problem solver. So guys, we're all in business. Also, many of us here are entrepreneurs and that, what do we do? We solve problems and sometimes we have problems of our own. He is the man that you want to know in all things. He is also the author of Unleash Your Umber Humble Alpha, which is a free book. You can get it on the website right then and there. And I'm super excited, dude. I have to tell you, I am amped for this. I am like, I feel honored that I get the privilege of getting to interview you. Uh, are you excited? Are you ready? Because I know you said, let's go deep, ask uncomfortable questions. And so I'm doing all the things. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I mean, it's uh, let's do this. I want to I want to dig deep, 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 deep. Good. And so, and, you know, I always start in the same space with everyone that I interview because I got to know. And this is my this is something that I like to stress for the audience. For those of you guys that kind of understand how I like to interview, my goal is to focus on the rise, not the peak of the mountain. Right. It's the climb to the top that I like to know about. So I like to start, Stephen, with your childhood. I know that you are blessed. Monica as a cousin, which I mean, what an impactful human being that is. But talk to me, what was life like as a kid? What's your relationship with your parents? Then now were we uh, silver spoon fed? Was life tough? Tell me all the things. Good Lord. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go through the fast story. Anybody who's read the book knows a little bit about this. So, uh, yeah, I was born in, in central Pennsylvania. Uh, my first father left, I think we were four very brutally. And uh, I remember that I was four years old. The only memory I have of my underneath six is, was that brutal day. And then uh, over the next years, uh, we had, I think, a total of four more um, fathers or men in the house. Um, one punched me in the face when I was uh, eight years old because I kissed him on the lips on my mom's wedding night. Um, the other guy stuck a gun in my mouth when he came home drunk one night when I was 16. Um, and then I skedaddled out of there, uh, joined the army. Uh, my relationship with my mom is really good. It's really good. She's not emotional at all. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a there's a hot mic. Um, sorry. Yeah, there we go. Um, relationship with my, with, with my mother is, uh, it's really good, but she's not emotional. And so I'm, I'm giving all the emotion and she doesn't know how to act because we weren't like that as kids. My, my, uh, my, what do I say, my maternal father, we have an amazing relationship. Um, he's my, one of my best friends and, uh, he's 75 and he's single. My mom's 75 and she's single. Um, wonder if they're gonna get back together <laughs> after 55 years, 56 years, uh, or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, the relationship, I have a twin brother named Scott. He's a banker, works for Wells Fargo, private wealth management you know, does ridiculously high, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in his, in his, well, in his world, always in the president's club, very proud of him. I have a, I have a sister who I wouldn't say, um, we're not, we're, we're close cause we're brother and sister, but we don't really talk that much. Uh, I've been a loner my whole life. I grew up in high school. I was a little chubby kid, um, played football, sucked at it. Uh, tried f soccer. I tried, um, wrestling and baseball and softball. And I was just horrible at everything cause I had no self-esteem. And I had no self-belief. So I got into drugs and did some weed and some other interesting stuff. Um, and that's when I decided to join the army because I knew I was going down, downhill quick and joined the army in 1986, left for boot camp, Fort Knox, Kentucky, and ended up in Germany. Ah, okay. So I always have been curious to know, I knew that it was the military that took you to Europe, but I did always want to know kind of what that path was. So within, so there's so much to unpack here, unpack here, and, and not just 
what you shared with us, but even in the way that you said it and, and, and the way certain things clearly still have certain impact. So talk to me about the journey of A, becoming a humble alpha, and then taking kind of all of these things. So these are life, you know, these are macro traumas in your life in multiple moments. I mean, from being punched in the face, um, having a gun in your head, just the fact that you have five men that you even referred to as father, um, all of these things. How did that kind of take you to, obviously took you to the military because you realized, hey, I have two choices. I'm going to choose my heart, <laughs> you know, to kind of go, am I going to stay on this path, which might lead to destruction and might lead to prison and might lead to death, et cetera, or I'm going to take this other path that is difficult as well, but it's going to lead to structure. How did those kind of moments ultimately lead to the humble alpha? Well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a long story. I'm 54. So, you know, I left the army. I was 19 because I had failed third grade. Um, the second stepfather, uh, held me back because I wouldn't wear my glasses because I had bifocals when I was in third grade and I was embarrassed so I didn't wear them and I, I had a chance to pass but my stepfather said no so he held me back so as a twin I was always a stupid one because I was a year behind my brother anyway so um, when, when I left the army I got to boot camp I had long hair down to my shoulders uh, it was uh, it was the um, you know it was the 80s so Dan, Dan, Danny Terrio sort of feathered back long you know mullet I guess if you will and I got to boot camp and they started shaving my hair off. And I sat there and looked in the mirror and I said, Stephen, this is the new you. From now on, you're going to do everything you never thought you could do. And uh, I went into boot camp full on aggressive, really angry uh, with myself that I was such a loser uh, and couldn't do anything really right in my life. And uh, I became a, a stellar soldier. And I'll never forget. The day I was on the obstacle course, we had just jogged 20 kilometers in Fort Knox, Kentucky, which is like 100% humidity at the time. And it was like, I don't know, 80 degrees, 90 degrees. It was killing. And then we went to the obstacle course after the 20-kilometer 20 march or run. And I was standing in front of this wall. It was like a seven-foot wall leaning towards me. And usually there's a rope there you can sort of climb over. But there was no rope. You just had to jump up, grab it, and pull yourself up. Well, I had no upper body strength, if you can believe it. Um, and I couldn't get over that wall. And I just, I just couldn't do it. And I was like, I can't, how, how, there's no way. And the drill sergeant took me and threw me down in the mud and, uh, or the dirt and stepped on the back of my neck and just started calling me every name in the book, loser. And, you know, dad, my mommy's boy and that kind of stuff. And I just lost it. I snapped, I jumped up and with one hand threw myself over that wall. And when I landed on the other side, I swear angels came, <laughs> you know, I was like, it was like, oh, glory. You know, it was just like, what happened? And I landed on the other side and I said, holy cow, that was me the whole time that was holding me back. Like, how can this be? How can I suddenly? So I went around the wall again, did it again with no effort. And I was like, oh my God, I can't actually do anything I want to do. And that was the forming moment in my life where I knew that I was capable of anything. Now, how I was going to do that, I had no freaking clue. So I stayed in the army, became a stellar soldier, went to Iraq. And in Iraq, I had some very, very crucial moments that changed who I was. Um, uh, I'm going to fly through those because this isn't about war. But um, as I'm building up and I go to war and, you know, you got to realize that when you go to war, that you have to pack your boxes and your bags and write your will and write letters as if you're not coming back. So I had to basically say goodbye to my family, pack the box for everyone of my whatever small things I had. And I put a letter in there and I, and I wrote, you know, hey, when you're reading this, that means I've fallen. And that means that I'm, you know, I fell for the country. I'm proud of what I did. And I was, you know, proud to be a part of this nation and that kind of stuff. And uh, so I went to Iraq and uh, found out it was it just wasn't anything like it's supposed to be like they train you to train you it to be. They don't it wasn't like it was on TV or any movies. It wasn't romantic and it wasn't glorious. It was it was hell. It was disgusting. It was sickening. Uh, it was demoralizing. Uh, and uh, I met a little girl at a checkpoint after the ceasefire. First of all, I lost my buddy in my arms. Um, he, he died literally in my arms looking at me. His last look was like, don't F this up, Coon. You know, he just died. And uh, after that, the ceasefire, I met a little girl at a checkpoint who was burnt from her neck down, and we couldn't help civilians. Uh, we weren't supposed to, but I sent her to the medics, and they bandaged her up, and she came out. And I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to do something for this little girl. She was like eight years old. 
and uh, she was she was just standing there and just I didn't know what to do. I wanted to hug her, couldn't because she was burnt, and it was just so I pulled out a butterscotch candy from my my aunt Boots, who's you know um, Monica and my my aunt, and I gave her this piece of candy, and she looked at me and like gestured if she was allowed to eat it, and I was like, well, yeah, and then she opened it, put it in her mouth, and smiled. And I was like, what kind of life am I leading that I can't be joyful about a piece of candy? Here I am in the desert complaining about sweating. I have everything I ever need. I got a family at home. And this little girl just lost everything that she's ever known. Her city is burning. She's in the middle of the desert. And I have to send her back out again. What kind of a guy am I? And so I got down on my knee and I, I didn't, I tried to talk to her. I tried to. And I just wanted to show her there's compassion out there and there's love out there that even in the middle of a war, that there's somebody out there that cares. And I had to send her back out in the desert. Wow. <laughs> to this day, I, you know, to this day, I still sort of hope that she'll show up one day or I'll find her somewhere. And I, every time I hear about an Iraqi girl that's about 35 to 40 years old, you know, I'm always like asking questions, where are you from and where'd you live and how long were you there and when did you leave? And I'm trying to find her, you know, it's like one of those things. So that was a moment in my life, excuse me. That was a moment in my life that told me, I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to cause this kind of pain. I don't ever want to cause this kind of pain to anyone. And that changed me. It made me gentler. It made me more caring and wondering. First, it made me mad, of course. Um, and yeah, well, we'll stop there for now. <laughs> I just want to let that kind of moment resonate and just marinate for a little bit, a little bit, because how often do we take so much for granted and thank God that you were in a space to even receive that download, right? Yeah. You could have just been angry. You could have just said this is unfair, but you, you, the smile on her face from the butterscotch puts you into humility, and it also puts you into gratitude. You know, that's powerful, powerful. And for me, one of my life mantra, and I work really hard to live it, and it doesn't always happen, but is expect nothing, appreciate everything. And that's when you're in that space, that little girl, <laughs> she's not expecting life to be easy. In fact, Maybe she's even expecting it to be hard as she's seeing her world around her torn, her body torn. And I, and I hope that you find her. But just know that every time you speak to people and that memory um, is still there and that memory still makes you the humble alpha that you became because of all the different life's events, but especially such an impactful event that while you're not necessarily finding her, you're letting her spirit rise even more. Amen. And so it, it's so powerful that this happens. And so I'm going to kind of switch gears because we know that the last two months have been, uh, you know, a, a, a trying time for you. Yeah. And so I want to know, you know, and I only ever prepare one question. I always know I'm going to talk about, you know, tell me how you grew up, but that doesn't count. But I always only prepare one question for interviews and then the rest I let flow. And this is the one question I prepared. I wanted to know how you got to the alpha because I wanted to know this with everything going on that's happened the last two months and, and kind of things at home taking a shift, I'm not going to say deteriorating because I think that this ultimately might be a positive shift. However, when did you go from the humble alpha to the dismissed beta? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I mean that in a way that is important because oftentimes when we're entrepreneurs, oftentimes when we have a mission, we can take care of that mission everywhere else. And sometimes we drop the ball at home. Now I a hundred percent believe it takes two to tango. So I don't think that anything that happened in your marriage is solely your fault, but where do you think that shift happened where you're able to be Stephen Kuhn in front of us and all these wonderful things, but sometimes at home, there were some things that weren't working out. Well, um, you know, we've been together 13 years, a woman that I absolutely worship and love and did everything for that I could ever do. Um, um, you know, she just, she, she, a few, a few years ago, I noticed that she was looking for a purpose and as a coach, she tried to help. And then as a wife, they don't listen. So, you know, that's just 
normal, I guess. And it, it kept building up and I would see she was more and more unhappy with who she was. And she was, you know, a mother uh, and, a, and, a, and a wife. She had her own business, um, still does. And I just kept getting more and more unhappy. And so I was doing things to try to make it better. I was, you know, uh, literally. But at the end, I was doing everything. Dishes, laundry, uh, running her bath for her, uh, taking care of the kids, taking them to school, picking them up, doing my full-time gig, making tons of money, paying for everything, getting a new car, just all that stupid shit on the outside. Right? And I, because I felt like I couldn't address the inside. And it took me the last two months to actually admit this, you know. Um, and I have to say in my relationship there, I got, I lost my, my masculine, I guess my masculine drive with her because I was so worried about how she was feeling that I wasn't taking charge. I was doing stuff, trying to comfort her. And that's exactly what she didn't need, um, or needed some of. And it was, it was crushing, man. I mean, I had dark thoughts like I haven't had in, you know, since the war. Uh, and I mean, I'm talking like dark thoughts, like ending it all. And, uh, that coming from me scared the shit out of me because I thought I was over that. And it was like the carpet was pulled out from under me where she went to work one day. We had our regular morning routine where she sits on my lap and we have conscious moments and kids and everything. And she went to work and wrote me a letter. Oh, I'm so in love with you. You're an amazing guy. You're an amazing man, a great father. He comes home six hours later and says it's over. And that was the beginning of the end. And then, um, you know, I had to go to America to, you know, grow your business for God's sake five days later. And uh, I did. And I left. And uh, I did my best in Kentucky. And we had our event in uh, te Texas. And you all supported me like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. And I want to thank you for that. I love you for that. And um, I came home and she picked me up at the airport after I begged her to and said, please pick me up, please. You know, like, I don't want to take a taxi, you know. And uh, she picked me up and I went to kiss her and she turned her head and said, no, no, that's over. I got you an apartment. I moved your stuff. And uh, I was like, wow. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. And that, of course, drove me down into the deepest, darkest pit of hell. Um, and I still carried on and did what I could. But it was very obvious. I got mails and letters and notes and from so many people. And what I decided to do is what Stephen Kuhn always does, is I want to solve the problem. And so the problem is with me. I can't fix somebody else. Mm. Yeah. So I went on a, I went on a mission and I started getting the best coaches money can buy and some of the best coaches that don't need any money for. And, uh, in, uh, in about 35 days, I went from suicidal to grateful to no against energy to no excess potential, to no excess importance or desire. And I did it for me. And I've come out to the side now in such a short time, so powerful that, and if I'm going to be honest here, I spent the last three days at home with my wife talking very, very candidly. And she told me about her new boyfriend and how, you know, all the details and not all the details, but a lot of the details. And I saw the sparkle in her eye and I was so happy for her. It, it was, it was scary for me that I was so happy for her and, and that I was actually proud of her for standing up for herself for the first time and doing something for her. And just the fact that I can think that, Alexander, that's, I, that's the, probably the, my biggest accomplishment in my entire life, that I could truly be happy for my wife. You know, being happy. Well, the th it, well you know what? It's... What it sounds like is what these coaches were able to do is to give you a, a little butterscotch in spite oh, of that's being broken, in spite of being burnt, in spite of the world looking like it's falling apart, you found happiness and you found joy. 
yeah. in spite of that, because that's not easy. And I'll tell you what's very impactful to me is a few of us knew it grew for God that you were going through this because you shared it with us. But when you were on stage out of probably habit, out of also maybe a desire to try to solve and fix things and get things back to normal, you took a picture of you and Glenn on stage to send to your wife and kids. And you choked up when you said it. You choked up when you said, I'm sending this to them. Because you were probably thinking, she probably doesn't even want to get it. Maybe I'm not even going to send the text. But out of habit, do you remember that moment that you did that? It was actually, um, I was with um, Tamara. Oh, yeah. Who was it and you were on stage with? Yeah, we were on interview. No, we were, I was on stage with Tamara. Yeah, I yeah. took a video. I took a video. I did a That's right. video. And I said, baby, this is for you. you know, hey, baby, kids, I got some friends who want to say hello to you. And I turned around. Exactly. The whole, the whole audience cheered, you know. And yeah, I sent it to her. I sent it to her, and she uh, she cried, of course. And you know, says, "Why are you doing this to yourself?" And you know, it was it was a it was a a shot across the bow, I guess you could say that statement. And it forced me to go deep. And one of the people that reached out here was Linnell, um, and I'm still working with her. Uh, she's amazing, and I I just super grateful for her. But she's the toughest one of them all, by the way. <laughs> and um I, I honestly I was sitting here yesterday by myself in my apartment and uh my kids were with, with my wife and I had just left there hours before and took some friends over to their friend's house and I was alone, you know, for the first time and I don't remember. And uh, you know, with peace sort of with myself and no other thoughts in my head. And I and I really dug deep and I said, you know, what are the things that I learned to get me here? And so I started going through this and taking inventory. And I got to tell you, man, in the last 35, 40 days that I've been with these different coaches and then after actually implementing the work, which is basically like a college degree in psychology, I guess, because this is, this is so much work. I mean, I have routines. I take about an hour and a half a day throughout the day just to do routines in my mind and, and you know, gratitude and all that kind of stuff. And it's something that me as a coach, I always preach and I always do, but I've never done it this intensely. And it's all new material for me. So when I talk about excess, excess potential, I talk about making, giving, giving something too much importance. Like if I want something really, really bad, right? That's, that's emotional. That's giving it too much desire. And if I'm stressed about something really, really bad, and when's it going to come? When's it going to come? When's it going to come? That's giving it too much importance. And what you're doing is, you know, what you resist will persist. So you're actually keeping it where it is and not letting it move. And when you realize that and you can reduce the excess potential through reducing the importance and the desire, and then you add into that, the most amazing thing is no against energy. I'm not against anyone or anything. So no matter what happens, I find a way to make it good. And I say, this is good because X, Y, and Z. I'd make something good out of it. You know, if like if my wife calls me and says, hey, I'm not coming home tomorrow, so you need to take the kids. Oh, I was like, what? I have plans. You know, she's like, well, I'm not coming home. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. And I had, to, I had to go, okay, I'm not against anything. I'm not against, you know, uh, anyone. And this is a good thing because it gives me more time with my children and I can show them the love that I really have for them. That's why this is a good thing. And so these are the kind of ex exercises I go through. And man, I'll tell you what, Alex, Alexander, uh, I'm in a different place, man. I'm so powerful. I'm so aligned. I'm so focused. It's incredible. I feel like, like I saw my wife this morning, she dropped the kids off and she was, I mean, dressed to, cause she's going out with her boyfriend dressed to the I mean, she was looking like wow and i told her i said like wow oh my god you look amazing and i said that's one lucky guy he better treat you right because you know i'm bigger than him you know <laughs> you know and to actually feel that about a woman who just left me 62 days ago not that i'm counting and <laughs> um to feel that that's that's one of the biggest gifts i've ever given myself and i have to thank linnell and the other, the other coaches for that I, I love it. And, you know, I love that post uh, you put on Instagram kind of about this. It's your most recent post. Um, and you say no excess in importance, no excess desire, no excess potential. And what I love about that, this methodology, I'm going to dub it the butterscotch method now, because I feel like what you're doing is you're finding the butterscotch in the moments that sometimes you're trying. Right. And so my question is this, though. When does finding that butterscotch in this moment, like you said, for this specific example, your wife is supposed to take the kids, you have plans, you turn it around, there's a great opportunity to show them my love, spend more time, I love it. But when does it become a bit doormat-ish 
when you yeah. keep saying yes and not actually having those boundaries of saying, hey, actually, no, I have plans. I love my kids. I want to be with my kids, but it's your day. Well, this is exactly what I'm talking about. What, what, what I would be doing when I say that would be against energy, wouldn't it? Because I'd be pushing back. So I have to find a way not to use against energy and make a change. So what that was for me was to set a plan in place. And I said, hey, let's make a plan so this doesn't happen again. It's good for you. It's good for me. And boom, done. You know what I mean? Got it. Yes. Yeah. Good. So, That's good. So, so that excess, that, that I, I honestly against energy, even thinking, oh, I don't want that. Well, there you go. That's, a, that's, that's against energy. And we really focus on that dude. Your whole life changes. It's crazy because nothing bothers you anymore. <laughs> right. Okay. So that you, I, I love this. I'm picking up everything. I want us to just make sure that everyone, including those all the way in the back row, <laughs> back row of the church that you're getting this when you're referencing against energy, define that. And then how can we learn to recognize when that against energy is forming within us and not just, um, it's not just a self-protective or self-preservation kind of thing. No. Notice that it's against energy. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, everyone, I was talking about this morning, everyone across from you, like the, you, there's two ways to look at people. They're either a detached person that's across from you is going to react, or you're going to react to them, or they're a mirror of your inner innermost um, energies, right? So the way to do that, the way to ensure that your inner energy is always kosher or you know, in a neutral place as far as love and gratitude is, is to not is to let go of the excess energy or the um, the, the uh, against energy, right? And the against energy, you'll feel it. You feel once you realize what it is, you feel it immediately. It's any time that you don't agree with something, or you want to push back, or you want something by force, or someone does something to you, you get mad, upset, whatever. And it's it's even small things, you know, like like um, if my my child's like, I want this, and I'm like, no, that's against energy. So how do I formulate my words and my actions that isn't an against energy, which keeps my inner energy or my inner mirror, I guess you could say, um, in a neutral, loving and gratitude place so that those across from me will mirror that back. So you're basically controlling your own environment or dictating your own, own environment through your own actions. And that takes a lot of work. It really does. It's not that easy, but you can immediately, as soon as you feel anything against either you're pushing or you're pulling, um, you just say, wait a second, that's against energy. How can I do this? Like I said, you know, I, my, you know, my wife told me you have to do this. And I said, I could push back and say no, or I could push back and say not again, or I could push back and say, how dare you? Or I could say, Hey, let's have a plan. So this doesn't happen again. Ooh, that's so good, dude. That is so revolutionary. And what's interesting is, you know, I'm not one to say that we, we can predict the future because who knows, and, and I'm not trying to put, you know, um, any unnecessary hope inside of you, but as you're becoming this man, right, as you're able to acknowledge the beauty of your wife and be okay with her going with another man. I mean, that's uncomfortable, right? You guys are still technically married. You're separated, but she's going on a date. You're able to pick up the kids. And so, the more and more that you, I'm going to assume that you're actually going to become more and more appealing to her. So what's interesting is whether or not you guys end up getting back together. That's the right path. Like, I don't know who cares. That's not the, that's not the worry now. But what's interesting is in doing this shift, you're probably becoming even more magnetic to what you ultimately want in your life for your forever in that yeah, partner. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's good. I'm happy for you. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's and from all directions, my friend. It's incredible. I mean, I'm just thought you name it. And, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, the last three days at home, she was just, you know, like almost flirting with me, you know, but I'm not, I'm not in that place to, just drop everything and go, oh, okay, cool. That's, you know, whatever. So um, I don't know who has the power right now. I don't even care. Uh, it's like I said, it's more about the balance and the integration of myself and using that power to, you know, along this process, I had to define why I'm here on this planet. Cause when you're sitting there thinking about suicide for the 10th time in your life, and you've actually tried it a few times, you're like, this can't keep freaking happening. Right. So why the f am I here on this planet? Why am I here? And it took a long time. And I worked with the, uh, the, the one coach, Larry, and I came up with, um, I radiate value to elevate people to higher frequency. And that's my mission statement in life. And I said, because that's what I do actually every day without even trying. That's what I do. That's what I'm known for. That's what I've done. But I never articulated. And that gave me the power to say, 
well, why don't I do that all the time? Even in those times where I don't feel good, why don't I do that, you know, around me? Cause that makes me feel good as well. And so all these little processes and procedures, I could go on the five minds, you know, you got the conscious, the subconscious, the parent mind when you were six, that's inner child. And then you have Freddy, Freddy Krueger, who's your ego, right? That's called Freddy Krueger and how you can go through a route and talk to them every morning and keep, you know, assign them new jobs and make you more calm. It's just, there's so many things you can do during, med during meditation, but I forget what the question was. It was keep rolling. Um, but yes, I've become more attractive. Yes. Um, uh, I have, I, I, it's, it's, I mean, I have stickers on my, I mean, I'm, I'm in a village, 2000 people. I got stickers on my car, like, Hey cutie or Hey sexy or whatever. I'm like, who the hell's doing this? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm 54 years old. It isn't like I'm some, you know, like whippersnapper or whatever. And, uh, you know, of course my, my wife keeps saying, go date, go date, go date. Right. And, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, everyone's like, okay, she's saying go date. That means she's tricking you. She wants to date so she could justify why she's dating. So you could look bad too. And I'm like, that's against energy, man. I'm even going to think about that. I tell you what, that against energy, that's, that's the ticket that really uh, solidified in me why I'm here. I'm here for me to radiate value, to elevate people to a higher frequency. And that means that I have to be at my best in my core and I have to be, I have to love, accept and embrace myself for who I am because to the degree that I do that is to the degree that others can love, embrace and accept me. Oh, brother, your wife gave you the greatest gift because you're about to become one of the world's, if not the world's greatest coach. <laughs> like, whoa, she just, she, like, you know what? It's funny how sometimes these obstacles, and I love it because in the military, when you tapped into flow, you were able to slay the obstacles after the 20, uh, 20K run. And now, because you're tapping back into flow, you're able to, so like slay the obstacles, not just climb over the wall. You're jumping over the wall. And what's cool about you is that you're going to do it while teaching others to do just the same and probably almost do it better <laughs> because you're that kind of human. And so I love that. And again, all of these are just butterscotch moments. Yeah, I mean, I'm are. going to like, yeah. they really like, dude, you need to find an artist. We need to make her an NFT. The moment she's smiling with the butterscotch in her mouth, burnt body. We need to make butterscotch tokens for your, <laughs> for your veterans. Like my mind is going with this butterscotch thing because when we stop and taste the sweetness of life in spite of, in spite of all the things coming around us. And sometimes it's so hard. We want to focus on life being about the because of. And I say this all the time. Life often is more about the in spite of. In spite of the fact that your wife is choosing not to stay in this marriage. In spite of the fact that now you only get to see your children 50% or whatever your percentage is. In spite of um, dealing with fa multiple fathers who are abusive in different ways. In spite of all those things. You're here standing before us a man, an impressive man. It, to meet Stephen Kuhn, you, you, you see he stands out in a room, not just because he's tall, not just because he's strong, because yes, that's powerful. Yes, you, physique, wow, like go for it, dude. You're, you're inspiring in that. But it's the energy that you radiate that makes you noticeable. You, enter, you radiate at such a high vibrant a vibration that it's like, whoa. And that was... Five days, I met you five days after the most crushing news. And yet your vibration was still, while a little bit broken, you could feel it in the moments of you looking down or when you got into your head, for the most part was high. And I think that that's really, really impressive, brother. And I have to tell you, after learning more about you today, after hearing your upbringing and it not necessarily being the, 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 you know, not the upbringing that you're providing for your children. I can tell you that much. Um, hearing what you've went through in the military, the journey to the humble alpha, becoming the beta in the home until the day comes that you've lost the masculinity and the, and the balance. And listen, guys, when he say that he says this by quote unquote society's definition, Stephen is one of the most masculine men you'll meet. It's not about, uh, uh, understand the verbiage though, because I think it's important. You know what I'm saying? It's about that balance in the home. It was lost within himself and in turn within the marriage, probably lost within herself as well. I don't know her. I can't speak to that. 
but you're finding that balance now. You're finding the butterscotch moments. You're flowing no longer against, but with. So what's next? What's next for Stephen Kuhn? I mean, we know you're working on these tokens. We know you have the free book that people can download. We know that you're coaching, but something is brewing, brother. I feel it. You're in a state of manifesting. You've tapped into your, your divine feminine. I can feel that you are creating. What's next? Well, that remains to be uh, revealed, um, but I can assure you that um, it's along the lines with um, who I am. And it's a it's an expansion of what I love to do. So um, yeah, it could take a while, but it might not. It depends on this NFT project. The ecosystem is exploding. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot going on. But right now, I want to get solid in who I am. You know, and embracing this and, and integrating it. Obviously, um, I'm fortunate to have been invited to Operation Restored Warrior. Rick Tamburino set that up for me. It's a, um, a, a veterans retreat going in January um, for soldiers with PTSD. And then we go to Peru in March. We work at plant medicine. That'll, that'll really help. And then at the, at the end of March, we're going to Dave Asbury's 40 Years of Zen, which is where they put on a spider cap on your head, measure your brain waves, find out which ones aren't firing. And they, they induce the firing of those of those brain waves uh, and give you basically in five days what it would have taken 40 years of meditating back into your brain. Um, and so I'm doing all this stuff just to upgrade who I am and what I'm capable of. Um, and I don't, wow. yeah, I don't want to come out with what anything is yet because it could change. And this is the whole thing about you know, no against energy. You're always receiving, right? So you receive so much. And when you drop the, the, the excess importance and excess desire, it just, it's almost like stoicism. It just, it just, you are, right? You are, you don't identify with, I'm the boss or I have this or I have that. You identify with yourself. And when you do that, it just, it really just, everything sort of balances itself out and you have, you're integrated all the way across. So, you know, there's a lot coming on and I know that this is the biggest change in my life I've ever had. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, now met someone as well, nothing significant, but, you know, I've met someone and uh, it's just a beautiful exchange because, I think I attracted her because she's exactly at the same place as far as energy goes and belief and spirituality, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and it's funny because my, this is just a funny anecdote. So my wife told me she's on, she was on Tinder right? and I was like, Oh, and I said, how's it going? She goes, ah, you know, it's, you know, this, that, and the other. And I said, let me see it. She showed me and I said, Oh my God, those pictures are horrible. Here, take these. So I sent her pictures. Wow. I sent her pictures that I took, right? And uh, and I so she she told me about her the guy she's hanging out with, and I said, "How old is he?" And she said, "39." I was like, "Wow, I'm 54." And she goes, "Yeah, sorry." And I said, "No, no, don't be sorry." And I said, "The woman I'm seeing is 48." And she was like, "Damn, I'm 33." You know, so it's like we both went in different directions, but just to be able to sit there and talk with my wife about this stuff and feel okay with it and see the admiration that I have in her for what she's going through and what she's doing. Because one thing happened, Alexander, is that everybody she knows, my family, her family, her friends, her colleagues, everybody was against her. Everybody. Are you crazy? You can never get a guy like Steven ever again. Like, you're, are you nuts? And yesterday, or the day before yesterday, she, I came back from getting some stuff from the gas station, and she was in a really bad mood suddenly. I was like, hey, what's up, baby? I still call her baby. And, um, and she said, I'm so freaking sick of hearing about how great Stephen Kuhn is. I said, what happened? And she goes, yeah, my girlfriend said she feels sorry for you and yada, yada, yada. And I said, you know what? Screw them. I stand behind you. I stand behind what you've done for yourself because in turn, you've done something for me. She goes, I'm so sorry I did this to you. I said, you didn't do anything to me. You did something for me because you did something mm -hmm. for yourself. And I mean that, Alexander. And coming from even my mind's like, Stephen, what are you saying? <laughs> like, are you serious? But it's, I truly feel it. And it's, it's really strange to be able to articulate a feeling that my mind doesn't agree with. You know, it's so weird. Like my mind's like, are you serious? Yeah, okay, I guess so. Then I guess that's how you feel. And we got to say that. And it's so powerful, man, because it comes from a place of pure, unconditional love. Like I love her soul. Souls are genderless. I just love her for her because I'm, I'm a very, um, how do I say, I, I'm, I like women, like a lot, you know, kind of stuff. So I always 
see those things in a woman, you know, this kind of thing. Anyway, so I can remove that now and look at the soul and just love the soul, right? And that that makes that physical connection dissipate, super, super and therefore it's pure love, which I can I can pass along in seconds because I'm at that place of no resistance, right? is you're finding your own self-worth not that you didn't know it but you're finding it at an even deeper level you're finding your own self-love you're able to really be in a space of i love me just because you can love her just because in spite of the fact that she's on tinder and you're having to give her good photos in spite <laughs> of the fact that she's dating a younger man in spite of the fact that she could have opened up about this months ago and giving you the opportunity to fix things maybe it's no, not the was, path that it went. No, no. Go ahead. No, she was, she was, she was one hundred percent true, and never did anything until we were split. No, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. No, I, I did not mean yeah, to yeah. insinuate no, that at all. A, yeah, yeah. She's, a, she's one of the most honorable women I've ever met. True. And wow. Yeah, she's, she's a, a, a true, a true, very, very special person, and I would protect her to this day, to the death. And and let me tell you, we have no arguments. Um, again. Kids come and go as they please. Uh, we, we, we have schedules. If there's a little bit of difference, we ask each other if it's yes. If it's no, then it's no. And, um, you know, we absolutely love each other. So it's, um, it's and we say that to each other. And, and the kids see it. And, you know, all they say is that, oh, mommy and daddy aren't playing together anymore. You know, they, they don't see us sitting on the chair together anymore every morning. But it's, you know, it's, it's very impactful. And I hope that there's somehow a way that you can write a book about this or an essay or something, because I think as unfortunately as we see more and more divorces on the rise, that there is a way to amicably end a relationship in a way that is benefits everyone involved and doesn't cause harm to children. And there really is a beautiful way to do. It. And it sounds like you guys are finding it and you're finding it quickly. And I attest that to you doing the work quickly, a lot, not, not getting um, stuck in that moment of uh, suicidal ideation, but rather saying, I need a coach. Uh, and in fact, I think it sounds like you hired 17 or 18 coaches. I don't know. Every aspect, you, I think you got a, a coach per, for every soul, <laughs> you know, five coaches. And, but how smart is that? And what it's a lot. And what it says to me is by putting yourself first in that moment of getting those coaches, you're really, truly putting your entire family above, yeah. you know, first it's powerful. Well, and, that's, what it's uh -huh, about. Go ahead. that's what it's about. Cause you know, we, we always say, oh, I'm a servant leader and, you know, and I'm a provider and I'm a protector and stuff. Yeah, but you're doing that for them and not through you, right? And, and when, only when it comes through you is it actually that the truth that comes out. Because if I'm trying to protect somebody and I'm doing it as, as an outside intention and not an in, internal intention, then they feel, they feel um, maybe dominated or they feel sort of directed and not protected. You know, it's, and it's the same thing with pro, pro, uh, you know, providership. It's got to come from a place of love and not from a place of, I'm going to provide for you so you always stay with me. I'm going to provide for you so you can never leave kind of thing. You know, there's, man, right. there's so many, yeah, there's so many small, like right now, um, I'm, I told her, look, I'm paying for the house. I'm setting up some stuff for you guys. You'll be, you'll be set for life. And no matter what happens, I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. I'm taking care of you guys. I will always love the mother of my children wholly and fully as an amazing person as she is. And I want my children to know that that's the number one rule in life is always love your mother's, your children's mother. Oof. So good, brother. I'm going to open this up for questions because I know people want to ask, but I want to know this. Yeah, yes. When you're ready, I'm, I'm burning with a question. This is Ramon. Take your time. Okay, cool. I just have one last question for you, Stephen. Yeah. Can you tell all of us what's one thing you love about yourself? That I'm, I just, I, that, that I'm, that I'm vulnerable, that I can tell everybody anything and it doesn't bother me. Matter of fact, I see it as a cleanse. I see it as an opportunity to learn. I see it as an opportunity to absorb what others have experienced. So I'm vulnerable to everything. I mean, even the woman, the woman I met gives me, gives me advice uh, on how to deal with my, my wife and she's hanging out with me. I mean, like I tell everybody everything and it's, it's, I'm like this, if I hide anything, cause I'm trying to manipulate that's against energy. And it's going to end up being bad anyway down the road, 10 years, five years, one year, one month, whatever. So, hey, you know, I like the fact that I can be vulnerable in front of anybody on stage here. Wherever wow. Yeah. 
I love that, brother. I love that. All right. I believe that was Ramon. Uh, was that you that was that wanted to ask the question, brother? Yeah, thank yes, you, Alexander. Sir. I just wanted to say a few things. One, Alexander, what a great discussion of a master class if I interview somebody. Well done, Alexander Gonzalez. Man, man, man. Two, Stephen Kuhn. Alexander has given you a great gift, the butterscotch. That is your TED Talk, your next speech. Yeah. Integrate the images, the yeah. visual. I can see a whole stagecraft of butter butterscotch. Yeah. And then three, yeah. my question, Stephen and Alexander, what do you say for those listening who don't yet have the Stephen Kuhn, David Goggins, even Alexander, who've come from a crappy situation and have been able to uh, thrive. That's my question. What do you say to those listening right now who are 30, 40, 50, and still wallowing in their sucky world? What do you do to click out of it? I, I, I don't know if there's a secret of this genes. How does one snap out? Like you said, Stephen, you looked in the mirror and you said enough when you were smaller. Can you talk about that a bit as much time as there? Sure. Actually, I was bigger. I was just younger. But anyway, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I was heavier then. Uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's about taking yourself seriously and that knowing that no one's going to do it for you. And that you're, everything you're trying to do on the outside is fruitless until you do the work on the inside. And I know that sounds you know wishy-washy or whatever, but that's the absolute truth. Until you feel that power within, until you radiate that presence within yourself and you know who you are and you feel grounded, you're like, Holy shit, I can do anything. Until you feel that, you're going to be a little bit wallowing and a little bit in trouble. You might have success here and there, but it won't be sustained. And even, you know, even, even now, I mean, uh, during this whole process of what I went through, the day that my wife told me that was the day that we got the, uh, the go-ahead for the NFT project. So it was like a universe telling me, oh, you can't have both, right? You can't have success in business. Like, I have success in business, but not like this. This is going to be, like, next level uh, and have success in relationships like I had for 13 years. And, um, you know, so it's, it's all about you being able to realize that anything that is on the outside that you're trying to be, uh, fulfill yourself with or fulfill others with is going to keep you where, is going to keep you where you are. Do the work on the inside. If you're in this group, talk to Linnell. She's amazing, uh, amazing coach. Um, and be hungry for finding out what drives you as a person and not, not a job or a title or position, just what drives you as a person, because that's going to crystallize a lot for you. Oof, so good. Great question, Ramon. Dora Maria, I know that you have a question and I'm going to take some mic flashes, but Dora Maria, are you here, friend? Uh, I am, but um, I was typing it as Ramon was saying it. How do others rise? So you can continue to look for other flashes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no worries. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so friends, flash your mics at me. If you, uh, Michael Robeson, um, are you here with me, flash your mic, brother? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just, <clears throat> Stephen, I just want to say thanks for the vulnerability. And I think something that you talked about, and I'd, I'd love to just hear a response on this, because when you talk about, you know, taking care of your ex-wife, the mother of your children, you know, that's something that in my journey, going through divorce and, and realigning in life, that's, some, that's a choice that I made. But talk about that mental choice for you, because I know we, we live in a world that often talks about, you know, like divorce is seen as like, you're supposed to not like each other, get along. Yeah. And, you, yeah. know, you have all those things. How, how do you process th through in your head? Uh, Cause I know how I do it, like making that choice and why it matters so much to you, not only for your kids, but for people around you, because I think that speaks volumes to us about the synergy of, you know, doing life, loving others, honoring each other, and, and you know, giving hope to a world that often sees uh, an event or a situation right. like this as being a de-evolution of good things in life. Right. Well, hey, great question. It's, it, you know, it's, uh, it took, it took work, you know, obviously to get there. And again, I, you know, I, I radiate value to elevate people to a higher frequency. And if I can't do that with my wife, then who am I? Right. If I can't do it to a person I spent 13 years with and absolutely love with every part of my soul and who am I that was the first thing that I thought of but then I said okay I get it I understand it but how am I supposed to do it and honestly I, I don't know if I could do it on my own without the coaches because I, I could have done it eventually but I knew the time was um, of the essence and I knew that the longer that we didn't resolve the issue it would have turned into resentment and maybe even hate and that's one thing I refuse to have and I, I refuse to let happen so um it's, it's, I think it's, I thought that was a process that I went through is that I just, I just refused to let it 
deteriorate any further than it was and actually to make it better by elevating her and then making sure because you know i went into the kitchen one time and she was crying and i was like what's wrong she goes i can't afford this lifestyle i gotta move and take the kids out of school and i said the hell you do i got this you know you have nothing to worry about i support you i support everything you're doing you're fine just do what you got to do right find yourself be happy glow like i know you can glow and it's just just me being able to say that just two things one it allows me to give what I want to give to the woman that I love, and I'll love her forever. It also makes me feel good because I'm as a, as a person who likes to be the provider protector guy, like I was talking about. It allows me to provide and protect her without any attachments, right? Without any agenda, without any recipro reciprocation, and that's pretty freaking powerful for me. And those are the growth moments that I look for, you know, when I or that that I really enjoy is because I have absolutely nothing from it. And that makes me feel amazing. Yeah, I love that. Wow. I, you know, that's that right there. I, I tell you, even in the last couple of days in my own journey, and, and I, it sounds like you're hearing this too. And, and I say this for everybody in the room. You know, my ex-wife is uh, engaged and, and going to be married soon. And, you know, we just have such a synergy of supporting each other. But I'll tell you where it plays out is not just you know, for each of us and our healing, it's amazing to see how our kids process it, but yeah. also the people around us because her fiance and I were talking Christmas morning, we were all together doing gifts and all that stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I love is that we get to express our appreciation for each other, our yeah. respect for each other. And it, you know, it creates a big family, you know, and yeah. sometimes we think that these things become the end of something. And if we can shift our perspective in the way we love and treat other people, you know, what sometimes seems like an ending actually becomes the beginning of something even beginning. Beautiful. For sure. I agree. Totally agree. And I already told her, I said, get ready to go on vacation with uh, me and my new and your, you and your new and the kids. <laughs> Bingo. That's how <laughs> we prepare do it. for it. I said, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Alex, you probably got time for one or two more. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have two people in queue. So I have Kelsey Stark ready for a question, then Amanda Dole. So go ahead, Kelsey. Thank you so much. And Alexander, absolutely powerful interview. I texted you that this is literally the epitome of loving someone just because. So I loved the alignment of this interview. Um, so Stephen, for all of us who are listening, the people who may be in a tough spot or really wanting to embrace that mentality that you have and switch up the way that they view the world and that they approach situations, what do you think comes first in the process of getting to where you're at? Is it becoming complete? Well, not complete, but um, comfortable and okay with who you are as a human? Or do you think it's putting in that kind of mental fortitude first and then, um, you know, really looking in deeper second, just looking for maybe a process of how people can really get to that amazing state? That yeah you're at and thank you so much for being open and honest and thank you thank you kelsey um, vulnerable I, you know, with this interview appreciate it thank you so much i really appreciate it um it's well i think it depends on your type you know I'm, I'm a process guy so for me i need okay give me some steps just give me the steps i'll figure it out right so i get the steps get a coach tells me how to mentally let go and um you know uh sort of mary lynn wilkin just wrote you know i'm describing conscious uncoupling you know so it's um it's basically what you're doing from wh where where are you right now what are you doing right now who are you with why are you here what have you done what are your expectations why do you think it has to stay this way because it's because you because you made a promise before god that's like the biggest one i had right and i'm like well that's all me with my against energy me i'm holding on to that you know her beliefs are her beliefs my beliefs are my beliefs and so to come to the realization that i i can only control my intentions about myself I can't control anything else right and so that was the first step for me I, I needed the processes and then I, I learned how and then I started implementing it and then I let it go because that's the, the quickest way to get what you want is to let it go and I and one of the key factors was whatever I want from anyone around me I just give them that exact thing that I want and I get it and that's that mirror effect is what I'm talking about. But it can't be fake. It can't be, oh, I love you and I'm not jealous or whatever. And you are because that energy right there is going to tell the, tell the truth. And so it's a, for me, it was processes. 
co and, uh, processes, learning it, getting a coach, implementing it, and ruthlessly, hours and hours and hours a day, getting myself to that place. Because I, you know, I'm, I'm known for taking quick action and solving problems quick. And that's not because I'm like this super business guy. It's because I hate disharmony. I love harmony. I thrive on harmony. And I want harmony in my life. So I'm always driving hard to make sure it's there. Oof, I love that. <laughs> and Kelsey, I agree 100%. Like, you have tapped into I love you just because, Stephen. Like, it has become you. And yeah. you're like, I can see you're in Hungary. I'm in Florida, United States of America. And I can feel your vibration. I can feel the value that you're adding at such a high level that I'm, my vibrations actually being increased. Your life mantra, your motto for your goal, your, your goal for your life is happening right now to all of us here. Oh. I'm going to, I'm going to pass it to one last question before we wrap up. Uh, Amanda Dole, go ahead, sis. You have time for a quick question. Hey, Stephen, listen, not so much a question. I just had to take this opportunity to give you your flowers. You know, for those of you in the room, I'd experienced Stephen every single morning for his small segment, and that was it. And when I met him in Lexington, I said to him, I said, after sitting with him for an hour and a half and chatting, I said, you know what? I have to be honest with you. You're probably one of the people I didn't think I was going to gel with so much because I got such a, an alpha male um, experience from you in the short amount of time I spent with you. And I'm an alpha female and usually that doesn't click so well. I said, but I got to tell you, you're probably one of my favorite interactions this entire trip because I got to see that vulnerable side. I got to see you open up um, and really just have a conversation and see where your heart was. And I wanted to speak on something um, really just to validate what you said as a product of divorced parents and a father who I could be the president of the United States of America and I wouldn't want to make him have a relationship with me. My mom did just that she came from an unconditional love from her for her children place where she never badmouthed my dad anytime he was there few and far between as we grew up she showed support she encouraged that we go with him she encouraged that we spend time with him so that we could form our own opinions of him and i yeah. see so often when people say i love my children unconditionally and then whether it's consciously or subconsciously they do something or say something that doesn't put that individual in such a great light and that does have impact on your children. Oh yeah. So I just thank her so much because I got to form my own opinion of him after I became an adult. And now mm. my thoughts are my thoughts and they weren't tainted. They weren't tarnished by anything that she did. And it is so amazing from a child's perspective, now being an adult to see that you're doing the same for your kids because they will have that unconditional love for her and they'll be able to form their own relationship with her and have their own experiences with her. And they're not tainted by you and what your thoughts are. So thank you for all the children out there who come from from a, a house where the parents aren't together because you have no idea what impact that makes on us. Hey, I, I know we hugged there in, in, in Lexington, but I'd like to hug you again right now. It was awesome. That was amazing. Thanks so much, Amanda. Can't wait to see you again. Wow. This was literally such an impactful segment. I already loved you just because there's no reason that I ever you ever needed to give me to love you. But my gosh, do I admire you more, respect you more. I am in awe of your ability to stay in flow and stay away from that against energy in spite of, I mean, that could be very crumbling. Some of the things that you've endured as a man, and yet you stand even more manly in my eyes in your unconditional <laughs> love and your ability to give your kids what the, the most incredible example. And all of us here, I mean, first and foremost, single men, you better watch out because Stephen Kuhn's on the prowl. The single ladies go come after him. You better shape up and shape up. You better learn how to be more like Stephen, y'all. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. Well, now everyone, literally others women are like, okay, you set the bar, bro. You have set the bar. And right, I mean that right. in the most incredible way. And so much love. Thank you humbly. Thank you for the opportunity to interview, to get to know you more, to share your story with this audience. And I'm so, so, so grateful, beyond grateful um, that we had this hour. So much love to you. I cannot wait to see you and have our cross path again. And yeah. while our hugs are more like my ears to your belly button, not really, but <laughs> you know, you're the giant of a man. I can't wait to hug you and just share space with you, brother. Thank you. Humbly. Thank you. Thanks, Alexander. I love it. Thank you so much. Just so everybody knows, I'm in New York. I'm in New York with um, 
Amelia Antonetti um, from the 12th to the 14th or 15th of January. We're going to try to put a get together together. And then after that, I think I said this before, Brian Hess is going to drive up to New York, pick me up. And we're, going to, we're putting cameras in his car and we're going to do a live podcast on the way back uh, to Pennsylvania. Um, and just going to do some live jam jam session, just talking the whole time. So really looking forward to seeing all of you in person. Maybe you can make it to New York or wherever we're going to meet, depending on the, the situation. Um, I'd love to see you. Thank you all for the opportunity to uh, not, you know, I'm always teaching and I'm always training and coaching. And this is a great opportunity just to talk about things that I'm going through right now. So I really appreciate it, Alexander and everyone else for listening. Uh, thank you for your graciousness and for the wonderful compliments. I really appreciate it. And I'm indebted to you. Love you all. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.